Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message.
God good in the house? Yeah. And I search the world.
think we can all say that we've chased something in life thinking that it was gonna bring us happiness, thinking that it was gonna bring us some kind of joy or fulfillment, whether that was a career or an education or, or money or a relationship. But man, you start to see real quick, don't you, that nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing can fulfill us like he can. Nothing can sustain us the way that he does. You know, money goes away. Relationships will fail. He's the only one that will be with you through everything you go through. Nothing compares to you, Jesus. God, you're such a great and mighty God, and we thank you that that is the case. We thank you, Lord, that you do sustain. We thank you, Lord, that you will give us a joy that is everlasting, that you came to give us a life and give it to us in an abundance. And Lord, forgive us for times and maybe when we've chased for other things to give us that joy. But a lot of times, Lord, we know that you're just doing that or allowing us to go down that road. So we'll learn a lesson. Nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to you. Let's give him a praise offering. He's so worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, guys, you guys can make your way back to your seats as you go back. Say hello to the people around you. Show yourself friendly. If you're watching from home this morning, thank you so much for being a part of our services. Uh, Fellowship Church is a great family and we love that you are a part of it. And now with uh, the numbers being lifted, we can have way more in live service. So please come and join us live. A lot of you have started Fellowship Church because you started watching us online. And there's nothing like being here in person. Is that right, guys? Isn't it so much more awesome to be here in person? Yes. God blesses us and we have such a great family of believers here. And if you are a guest, maybe this is your first time uh, visiting either online or with us today. If you will just take your phone out and if you will text fellowship to 94,000, when you do that, you will get uh, some information about the church, a little visitor's card to fill out, but then you can see how you can get connected here at fellowship. You'll have a link to our church center app, uh, which uh, basically can connect you to all of our small groups, all of our courses, that kind of thing. Uh, but thank you so much for visiting with us. We are so so glad that you are. And other than that, just make yourself at home. We got an awesome family here and uh, we want to welcome you to be a part of that. Well, we're going to continue to worship now with the giving and tithes and offerings. We've been worshiping him with song and with music, and now we're going to worship him with giving. Now, of course, we can't pass the buckets uh, in the service. So what we're doing now is we're just giving uh, via our church center app or online on our website. You can still text tithe or you can just mail your offerings in. But whatever the case, it's amazing because as we go through this thing that's happening in the world, a lot of times, you know, people are fearful of that. But what's so incredible is for those that are giving, they're tithing, they're staying faithful in that, their testimony of it is amazing how God has provided. Because when we give, we're not on the world's economy. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We're on God's economy. And his scripture promises that he's gonna take care of us through the good times and through the bad times. So as you get ready to give this morning, whether here in the service or at home, let me say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we love you. And we do recognize that you are taking care of us. It is so incredible, even though the world is going crazy, how your financial uh, blessings never fail. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for blessing us like only you can. You're a great God. We love you so much. I ask that everything that would come uh, in th this morning would be to your uh, church's needs, sufficient for your church's needs, but it would bless the giver like only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you give, as you do. We've got some things going on here at, the, at Fellowship. It's really great way for you to stay connected here at Fellowship is either through the Church Center app, uh, the website, or listening to announcements that we're doing pre, post, and right in the middle of the service. One of the things that we have starting October 6th is a new book club uh, on this book, Sacred Pathways. And it is going to be an online book study. Uh, we've done several of those. A really, really good way for you guys to connect, especially if you're, you're needing to stay at home and you want to connect to your church family. You can do so online. This starts October 6th at 630. I have some great teachers that are going to be teaching this. But this is a book that really helps you understand that each one of us are different and the way we worship is different. You know, God did not make us all the same. We know that. And he didn't make how we worship or interact with him the same either. And so this book really will help you understand 
how God made you and how God made you to worship and to spend time with him. So really, really awesome book. You can sign up uh, uh, on the Church Center app and that, like I said, will be happening October 6th. And here's a few more things that are happening here at Fellowship. Thank you so much for joining us here at Fellowship Church, whether you're watching online or in our worship center. There's a lot going on here at Fellowship Church that I'd love to tell you about. The first thing is a class that's all about the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What does he do? How does he affect our lives? How can we live better in tune with him? Our very own Pastor Will wants to do this class to just help you better understand who the third person of our Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit is. If that's a class that interests you, you can sign up on our Church Center app. As things continue to change and allow us to have more people join us in service in person, that also means we have more children coming through into our nurseries and kids' church. To make check-in as easy and convenient for you as possible, we are now offering an express check-in lane. To be able to utilize this lane, you need the Church Center app, you need your entire household added to your family as well. Then you can go to the check-in tab on your Church Center app and you can check your kids into their designated classes. Then it will provide you a barcode. All you have to do is walk in, scan your barcode right on the Kindle and it will immediately print your name tags for all of your children and you can walk straight to class and get to service right away. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Whether online or in person, enjoy the rest of today's service. ago I preached a sermon and I threw up some memes on the side screens that just kind of let everyone know how we're collectively feeling about 2020. And um, things like if you weren't here, things like if 2020 were a pinata, what would it be? A hornet's nest, stuff like that. Um, and then after that service, people began to email me and text me and tag me in social media, all of the possible 2020 memes that there was on the planet. And it's been really fun. I've gotten a lot of good laughs. Like, I'm just gonna show you one more today that I think really fits 2020. And this is our new 2020 mascot. Um, and it says we need a name, but I would like to propose Rona. Rona as her name um, for the 2020 mascot. But I think we could all agree that 2020 has been a difficult year, a challenging year in many ways. And as a result, my question to you, church family, is, at what point are we allowed to begin using 2020 as an insult? Like for example, if someone's like, oh man, my boss is making me come in on Saturday, he's such a 2020. Like, can we say that? Can we say, I have to go to the, tent I have to go to the dentist, my tooth hurts like 2020. Can a teenager say, oh, my dad is such a 2020. <laughs> Did you see that truck cut me off in traffic? What a 2020. Um, excuse me, miss, miss, um, my burger, there's something wrong. I think it tastes like complete 2020. Can we say these things? Can we just use 2020 as an insult? My car is such a piece of 2020. My ex-husband is a total 2020. Did you see that drop pass in the end zone with that receiver? That was such a 2020. Chick-fil-A is still under construction. This is a complete 2020. Young man, get in that room. It's a total 2020 and clean that thing. Can we say I completely 2020 that test? Is that allowed? Is that, is that one of our choices? Or can we stub our toe and say, ah, oh, 2020? Like, where does it end? When do we get to start using 2020 as an insult, kind of for our benefit and amusements? Because this is tested our ability, 2020 has, to bend and not break. And we're in the middle of this series called Unbreakable. Unbreakable, our theme verse comes from Psalm 92, where it simply says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. And, and what we've been talking about is that storms will come. Storms will come against us. Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. And 2020 is a bit of trouble. And we've got these storms coming against us. And as it's happening, we can be confident that we will stand. So when a hurricane comes against a palm tree, the palm tree bends 
all the way to the ground sometimes, but doesn't break. And when the storm releases, the palm tree somehow springs back up, ready for more, ready to keep on living life and fighting hard. And as people of faith, we're saying that we have that same ability, that we can flourish in a storm, that we can persevere through the dark and lonely times of life, and when that storm releases, we can pop back up, ready to go. Now, Pastor Hooper started out the series with unbreakable faith, twice because it's pastor, and that's how he rolls, right? So he preached a lot about the same thing, twice unbreakable faith, and then the next week, uh, Dr. Bill Ramsey came, and he talked about unbreakable focus and seeing in the dark. But this morning, we're gonna talk about unbreakable friendship. And it all comes out of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And spoiler alert, the friend is Jesus. Because there are some storms that you and I will face in our life that we can't walk through with any other human being. Even our spouse cannot walk through every storm with us. Our adult children cannot walk through each storm. We can't necessarily expect our bestie to weather every storm with us. There are some storms that we will go in and go through completely alone from a human perspective. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus and we will never truly be alone in the storm. Jesus will always be with you. And I promise you this, he is enough. My husband and I didn't come into parenting the normal way, the way most of you did, the way where you get pregnant and you have nine months to decorate a nursery, pick a theme, have it look all nice and matchy-matchy, and then you give birth to this cute little tiny baby that doesn't go anywhere. No, in one day, we became the foster parents of four toddlers in about 30 seconds. They, they dropped, we actually picked them up and then we were their parents and they said, keep them alive until we come see you next month. And so in one day, we had four children, all under the age of five, five and under, four kids. And within a couple months, we added a fifth child, three pounds, two ounces, under the age of five as well. Five, five and under. And I didn't know what to expect. In fact, many of you were culprits in misleading me from your social media pages. Because when you, you put pictures of your toddlers up and they looked cute and harmless, they looked in coordinating outfits, they looked gorgeous, they looked fun and funny, you did things like um, crafts with them that you posted. And, and someone even carved a hot dog to look like an octopus and fed it to their toddler. And I thought, this is parenting. I can do that. This is gonna be so fun and so beautiful. And I saw so many pictures you guys sold me on this side idea, but no one ever warned me that toddlers are crazy. <laughs> you never told me that toddlers have the ability to unionize, that they know how to form a coup and overthrow the household government. I had no idea. I did not know that when a toddler asks for a cracker and you walk in 47 seconds to the kitchen and back with the cracker, that they will inevitably change their minds. And when you arrive with that cracker that they requested, they will consider it not just the wrong snack, but an affront to their humanity. And they will have wanted fruit snacks, but you won't know that. And so they will be forced as a violent demonstration of your ineptitude to throw themselves upon the ground to protest and riot against your parenting. And then, and then you're supposed to know that they meant fruit snack and that you should already be on your way to get the fruit snack and juice, but not in the cup you're picturing. Whatever cup you're picturing, wrong cup. Use the other cup. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that toddlers could live on fruit snacks and chicken nuggets and grilled cheese sandwiches alone. But I quickly learned the best way to make a grilled cheese sandwich for a toddler was to get bread. The most unhealthy bread you can find. The more refined, the better. If there's whole grains in it at all, forget about it. Get the bread, smear lots of butter, and then get something that some people call cheese. It should be plastic wrapped. It should need no refrigeration because it contains no authentic food. You should put that on the sandwich, grill it up for your toddler, and then ask them if they would like a plate. Do not assume the plate part, okay? That would be ridiculous. 
Just ask them if they want a plate, then await further instructions. Should you cut the crust off today? Should you make a shape that fits their mood on that particular day? There's so many options, but I didn't know that because on Pinterest and on social media, your kids all look so cute. Uh, but Lavelle and I became foster parents, and we took in five kids, and we loved them fiercely. And within a very short period of time, those kids became every bit as much our kids as if I had given birth to them myself. There was no way for us to have loved those children anymore. But about five years ago, we went through a great loss as a family, where a child that we had been raising as our own for nearly four years, it was determined that it was in the best interest of the child uh, to move to a different house. And even though we agreed that it was in the best interest of the child, it was absolutely heart-wrenching on every side. And a few days after our daughter moved, I was grieving, deeply grieving. And I didn't see a way out of my profound sense of loss. I fixated on the fact that we had um, three bedrooms for the kids, three boys, and one bedroom was still pink. And you know, it doesn't make sense that I would paint it. My husband's a general contractor. He actually has skills. Um, but. I, I don't have skills, I don't pay attention to details, I'm kind of sloppy when I paint, but for some reason, I wanted to, no, I needed to paint the room, and I needed to do it right away. So Lavelle gra gathered the paintbrushes and the drop cloths and the masking tape, whatever that was for, and um, I locked myself in the bedroom, and I began to roll green paint over the top of this pink paint. And I had worship music on and I was worshiping God and it became very apparent that this task, this job was somehow really sacred. And I was pouring out my anger, my frustration, my overwhelming feelings, all the angst that was inside of me to the Lord because the truth is I, I saw no way out. But immediately I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Psalm 34, 14, 18 explains why. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And the next few months blessed me with a gift that I didn't even know that I needed. There's a closeness. There's a closeness to God that exists in a storm. There's a closeness to God that exists in the darkest moments of life that you never get to experience during rainbows and sunshine and glitter. It's the intimacy that has grown between God and his children when things aren't good, when things are hard and difficult. And it comes by walking hand in hand with Jesus through those dark moments. In many ways, this entire year has been dark moments for some people. Some people feel like all of 2020, they've lived in this dark valley. Confusion, frustration, change, then the change changes, then they unchange the change, and then you're looking for the updates and you don't know what the rules are anymore because everything's been changing. And so a lot of us have felt like we're in a broken place or we're in a dead-end place and we don't necessarily see a way out. Maybe that dead-end place for you is in your marriage. Or maybe it's in the workplace, or in your finances, or in a health diagnosis. Maybe the dead end for you is in your homeschool challenges, or in your custody battle, or your relationship with your teenagers, just trying to make it through. Maybe it's in the pain of your widowhood, or the frustration of your infertility, or in the search for someone to finally ask you to marry them. So here I am, I'm rolling this lime green paint over this pink paint with tears streaming down my face and I'm pouring out my heart, heart to God, everything that I'm feeling. And I'm remembering all those moments that I had with my only daughter. The things that you do as a mom with your child, braiding her hair, picking out cute outfits together, playing dolls, whatever it might be. And then my mind begins to go to all the firsts that I don't get to have as a mother that no longer has a daughter. And as I'm going through this, I'm thinking through, I don't pick out a prom dress, we won't walk her down the aisle. These different experiences that are unique in parenting when you're parenting only sons. And so I grieved and I mourned these things and as the pink became green, the dreams of having a daughter rolled down my own face as well. And this is what I thought in those moments, I needed God to remind me that he was a way maker. And that's what I thought I needed. I thought I needed a way 
out of my situation. I thought I needed a way to deal with my hurt and my frustration. And I thought I wanted God to just make a way right then. And the people of Israel, God's chosen people, they, they in the Old Testament, they were very familiar with the idea of God making a way. And there tends, where there tends to be no way. And historically, if you were growing up in Israel, you would hear the stories from the Bible over and over again of where there was a dead end and yet God made a way at the last minute. You would, you would grow up hearing the story of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army pressing in against God's people where there would be no escape and a million people were just about to die, but suddenly God made a way and parted the Red Sea. And you would grow up hearing of God's children wandering in the desert and how there was no food and no water and their children were starving and, and about to die of thirst and the people cried out to God and manna came from heaven and fed them and water poured forth from a rock. You would hear these stories as a child growing up in Israel. You would learn about the, the city of Jericho and how God's children knew they needed to get into that city to inherit the promises of God, but the city was walled up. And the army that defended that city far greater than their own army. You would have heard the stories about how Joshua marched around the city and where there was no way to get in that God would make a way. And you would hear growing up the stories of how God's people were oppressed by evil kings and rulers who taxed them into poverty. And you would have heard that God sent judges and prophets and priests and kings by the names of Gideon and Samson and Daniel and David and Elijah and Saul and Solomon and Josiah. And you would hear all these names throughout your childhood and you would know that where there was no way that God miraculously made away. And you would hear when Abraham left home and he went to a foreign land and he had no idea how he was going to earn a living for his family or provide for his children, how God helped him carve out a living within this foreign land. And you would have heard how King Xerxes of Persia issued an order for all God's people to be wiped out through ethnic cleansing. But then God raised up a deliverer in Esther and saved them all. And you would have heard of the single mom who had only one cup of flour. To, to feed her son during a famine. But somehow God miraculously multiplies and there's plenty for all. You would hear about Daniel who was condemned to a lion's den for his commitment to prayer. And you would hear how he was thrown in the, the hungry lions, how there was no chance that he would last the night. No chance he would live through it. But God made a way. And you would hear about Naaman who was sick. And the doctors had no idea how to help him, no idea how to heal him, and how he would just have to live with this debilitating disease his entire life, and it would still be cut short. And God provided hope, and God provided healing, and Naaman lived because God made a way. And you would hear about an evil king that threatened anyone who would not bow to his statue to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And you would hear about three Hebrew boys, teenagers really, who defied that order, who stood for God, who refused to worship the statue, and as a result, were thrown into the fiery furnace. And as they were walking in the fiery furnace, a miracle occurred because our God makes a way. Let's pick up that story in Daniel chapter three. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. And friends, it was. Christian scholars completely interpret that fourth being to have been Jesus in the fire. And isn't that just like Jesus? We're going through the fire, we're going through a dark moment, we're going through a lonely valley, we're going through a hard time, and where is Jesus? Right in the midst of the fire with us. And so many people become disillusioned in their hard time. They, they cry out to God in frustration saying, where are you when I'm hurting? Where are you when I'm broken? Where are you when I'm going through what I'm going through? But here in Daniel 3, we learn that he is right there. 
He is right there in the fire, going through the storm right along with his kids. And the Bible is filled with these faith-building examples of stories of people who were at the end of themselves, and as a result, they found God. There was no way out, but yet God made a way. And our God is a way-making God. There is no obstacle he can't overcome. There's no trouble he can't fix. There is no hurt he cannot heal. But somehow, there's a difference in our own minds. We hear all of those stories like the children of Israel. We hear them all growing up as well. And we think to ourselves, yes, I know that God could do that then. And I know God can do that for them. And we think of these other people we think of the heroes of the faith and we say, David, Daniel, Solomon, of course, God intervened for Moses. It's Moses, for goodness sake. But I'm, I'm just Bob, you know, I'm just regular guy. Like, why would God do for them what he did for me? And the Bible is so clear. Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible, it tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God that can and did miracles repeatedly throughout history for others, he's the same God that has the same power to intervene in your life and mind, and he wants to. And I think that's the other spot we get hung up on as young believers, we start to wonder like, well, Okay, maybe God can help me. Maybe God can rescue me, but maybe he just doesn't want to. I mean, nobody else is coming for me. Nobody else is helping me with my situation. Why would God, why would God come for me? And I think it's a beautiful story is recorded in Mark chapter nine of the Bible. And I think it's deliberately there so that all of us, myself included, who have ever thought, yeah, I know he can for others, but will he for me? There's a father and he has a child and the child is gravely ill. And the father is not sure how he's gonna get help for his son, how he's gonna bring healing to his son. And so the story's recorded, uh, let's begin in verse 22. It says, the father is talking, he says, have mercy on us, help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Then the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but, but, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I know you can heal, but I don't have enough belief in myself to think you'll heal for me. I know you can rescue, I know you can make a way, but I'm not confident in myself enough, I don't believe enough in myself or in you or some combination of us that you will actually do it in my life. And friends, that's where we have to understand that it's by grace that we are saved through faith, not by any works. There's nothing we can do to earn any of the goodness that God shows to his children, yet he lavishes, the Bible says, 1 John 3, 1, he lavishes this goodness upon us in spite of who we are. So this father cries out and he asks God, can you? And he's, the underlying question, will you? And friends, if your heart is, is asking that same question, God, can you, but will you? Know the answer is that he loves you so much. And whether he delivers you from the fire or he walks in the fire with you, either way, he'll make a way or he'll be the way in your life. He'll make a way or he'll be the way. And the same God that was able to part the Red Sea and shut the mouths of lions and open the eyes of the blind is able and willing to make a way in your life. In my own life on that day, repainting our daughter's bedroom, Jesus didn't really just make a way. Like he didn't come down and sprinkle Jesus glitter everywhere and then make it change so that somehow it wasn't in her best interest to transition to a different family. He didn't just sprinkle Jesus magic powder and all of a sudden I wasn't grieving, I wasn't transitioning her, I wasn't losing her. He didn't make a way where everything was perfect and rainbows and sunshine. Instead, he, in my own heart, became the way. He found a way to give me peace and hope and strength in the midst of it all to trust and to be able to move forward. And Jesus doesn't just make a way, he is the way maker. And he is the way. So the Bible says in John 14, six, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So sometimes he opens up a way and sometimes he meets us in the fire and becomes the way. 
And Jesus wants to be the way in our lives before he makes the way in our lives. He wants to be the way before he makes the way because he wants to be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He wants to be in that bedroom of our life painting the paint as we grieve and as we process what we're experiencing. He wants to be the way with us before he changes our circumstances. And we serve God because we love him and we serve him because of, not because of what he does for us. And one of the truest tests in this life is can we serve Jesus when we are blessed and prosperous and everything's going great? Or do those blessings pull away our loyalty from him and cause us to put our faith in the blessings? And then the flip side is a question to be asking. And that question on the flip side is, can we serve God when we're blessed and prosperous, but can we serve God when we're broken and grieving and hurting and in a dark valley of sorts? When we're fearful or devastated, can we serve him? Or do those trials and disappointments pull us away from our friendship with Christ? The truth is really clear. Jesus can and does heal cancer but he also gives us the strength to close our eyes in this life and open them in the next. Jesus can and does restore marriages, but he also gives us the strength to rebuild our lives after that person we thought would be there forever walks out. Jesus can and does impart an ability to break an addiction instantly, but he also gives us the strength to wake up every day attend that meeting and fight to stay sober. Friends, Jesus can make a way, but also he can be the way. And he's way more concerned that we allow him to be the way in our life than he is about making a way and removing the circumstances from us. He can make a path through a barren desert. He can raise up a valley. He can make mountains bow low. He makes a way through the darkest of nights and the loneliest of days and the deepest of devastations. He makes the way and he is the way. He's the way of life and the way of truth and the way of hope and the way of healing and the way of peace and the way of love and the way of all that is good. Jesus makes a way and Jesus is the way. And he wants you and I as his friend that's sticking closer than a brother, he wants you and I to see him as both, both the way maker and the way. And so we're gonna stand together as a church family and we're gonna sing this song and we're gonna sing it as a declaration because each one of us has our own experience, our own dark valley of sorts that we've walked through and that we've lived through. And he wants to show us how He's gonna make a way. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord. 
that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.